Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper. Here we go again. Uh, so we are continuing our series of sermons at the moment at Christchurch, uh, which a series we've called Bear Fruit. And on Sunday, I looked at patience. We're going through the fruits of the Spirit. We've done love, joy, peace. And this Sunday, it was patience. And the, the passage I used was Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 6. And so we're going to look at that whole passage now. And I would love you to read it. So do please read Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 6. Great. So uh, what do we have here? Well, this marks a turning point in the letter of Ephesians. First three chapters, it's more theological. Uh, Paul is talking about all that Jesus has done for us. And uh, it's a fascinating and, and interesting read. I'd encourage us to read the whole of Ephesians. That's one of my favorite uh, letters of Paul. Uh, and then he says, therefore, and he, this is what he does in lots of his letters. He's done his doctrine, his theology. And now he says, this is how we should live. And that's it's almost exactly what he says. Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And uh, the, the, in Greek, the first word is, I urge you. In other words, this is important. You know, because of all of this, this is what you must do. And what must he do? Well, we must live a life worthy of the calling. The, the Greek is actually to walk according to the calling you've received. Uh, and that idea of kind of walking the talk is, is important, isn't it? That we can't just say we believe things. We have to live it out. We have to show how all this theology about what Christ has done for us, about all he's achieved for us, about all that we are going to receive in the future, it needs to change the way we live today. And so Paul says, you know, walk in this, live it out. And um, and he's saying, look, you know, look at me. I'm a prisoner uh, because of my conviction here. He'd, he'd chosen not at any point to deny Christ. And so he is he's in chains in prison uh, because of his faith. And what are we to? He says we are to live a life worthy of our calling. And what is that calling? Well, he talks a bit about it in chapter one. He says in verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints. The hope to which he has called us is everything that we are going to inherit because of our faith in Christ. And some of that we receive now and some of it we receive in the future. And uh, that is, that's our calling. That's what we've been called to, to receive all of this. I mean, that is exciting, isn't it? It's, we sometimes talk of calling as, as something that, you know, people get called to the ministry or, and we use that kind of phrasing. And that's, that's entirely appropriate. But the calling Paul talks about is everything that we are going to receive in Christ. This is our hope. And that, uh, I love the idea of what you're saying here, you know, live a life worthy of the calling, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I, I wonder how I need to act in certain situations, how I need to behave, how I need to react to people who may be saying or doing certain things. And it's not always clear in scripture. We don't always have clear guidance about certain things. 
Well, here is one principle we can always choose to follow, to try and live the life that makes it clear that we are worthy of the calling that we've received. And so that is one of those things that we can kind of take on board as a principle to live by, to live a life worthy of the calling, worthy of all that we are going to receive in Christ. And that's a big calling, isn't it? And then in verse two, uh, he says, um, he talks about well, what does it actually mean to live this life? And he kind of brings it down into some really kind of day-to-day things. And as I said on Sunday, what he says here is, is, isn't, you know, be holy or be supernatural or be all those things that we could do. He talks here in some ways to us in kind of low-key ways, but actually it's probably more radical than we understand. So in verse 2, he says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient bear with one another four things he says uh, so be completely humble and uh you know no one likes the idea of humility it's not it's not a very kind of current trend is it uh but it's even worse in the time of paul and in the greek societies that um that dominated around that time and in the time before paul and even in some of the pagan societies of the old testament humility was was an entirely negative thing and so christianity brings in and in fact in, with uh, some jewish thoughts as well a fairly radical idea of humility uh it's, it's something that paul talks about a lot i think it's probably in most of his letters and of course there's that great thing in philippians 2 where he talks about the humility of christ Christianity particularly elevated humility as a virtue to to aspire to, whereas other societies downgraded it and kind of counted it as as unworthy of people of any stature. And so there's this idea here of, of actually Paul saying something quite radical, be humble. And when he says completely, it doesn't mean perfectly. It just means in, in every way that you can. In every way you can, be humble. And then he says, be gentle. And what's that kind of about? Well, that's about not pushing your own desires, your own agenda, uh, being um, gracious with people. In other words, it's about not having a big ego. Both of those things say the same thing, don't they? About not having a big ego. And then it comes to patience, which I talked about on Sunday. So I'd encourage you to, to watch that talk because that was all about patience. Um, and as I prepared for, for this bit, uh, for the deeper video, I came across a quote by, by um, an early church father from around about the year 480. And uh, he described patience as having uh, a wide and big soul. I love that idea. The idea that you have a soul big enough to to accommodate and to put up with all the distractions, annoyances and grievances of life. Your soul is big enough to cope with that. Uh, and patience, again, is something that not everyone aspires to. But that idea of having a big soul, big enough to cope with all the annoyances of people, that, I think, is really attractive, isn't it? And I like that idea. And then he says, bear with one another in love. And that literally means put up with one another. 
In other words, you know, patience is very practical. Put up with each other. There are going to be people, and that it's implied here, isn't it? There are going to be people in your life, and particularly in church, who will annoy you, frustrate you, aggravate you, and who are just plain weird. Put up with them. They are, as we'll see in a moment, part of what it means to be a Christian. That they, you are one with them. And so verses three, uh, he starts to talk about something that is really important here. He starts to talk about the unity of uh, the spirit of the church. And where he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. That uh, idea of making every effort means be zealous for this. Be eager for this. And it's not about creating unity, it's about keeping unity. See, God has already given us unity through the Holy Spirit. We are united with each other across the whole church, whatever denomination that is. We are united together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then Paul says, with the bonds of peace. And Paul's in chains here, so he's kind of used to being tied to someone. He's he's chained to a guard, and so he's got this idea in his head here that you know we are all in some way bound to one another, and what we're bound by was well, not chains, but by the peace that Christ has brought into our hearts. We are not because of that we are not a people who seek out conflict. We are not a people who seek out confrontation. We are people who are patient and humble and gentle with one another, who put up with each other for the sake of Christ. And then verses 4 to 6 particularly, they almost read like uh, like a creed. Uh, so there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The word one occurs seven times there. And let's just very briefly look at each of those phrases. There is one body. There is only one church. There's only one fellowship of believers. And don't forget, when, certainly within uh, this uh, letter and, uh, and in other letters, one of the biggest issues the church was, well, what do we do with Jewish believers? And what do we do with non-Jewish believers, Gentile believers? Are, are they different churches are they uh, different faiths even uh, how do they live together and so Paul says look there's only one body and that includes both Jew and Gentile slave and free as he goes on to say in Galatians there is no separation here we are all one body and we all have the same spirit the same spirit that fell on the Jewish believers in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost was the same spirit that fell on Gentile believers years later and filled them with the same Holy Spirit. And we have the same hope. And that's going back to chapter 1, verse 18 that I quoted before. You know, that we, we have the same hope of receiving everything that Christ has won for us. It's not that Jewish believers will get more or less than anyone else. We all receive exactly the same thing. We are all receiving the same hope. We have one Lord. And that kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? You know, what's that about? Well, there is one Lord because Caesar's not Lord. And that's a massive statement here. And that's, for us, that doesn't seem so radical, does it? To say there's only one Lord. 
And yet, in Paul's time, it was a radical statement. The whole um, empire would call Caesar Lord, and there is only one Lord, that's Jesus. There is only one faith. Now, it's a bit hard to know whether Paul's saying there is only one faith in terms of what we believe, the content of our faith, or is he saying uh, there is only one act of faith, of us putting our trust in Jesus and Jesus alone? Um, and it could, it's probably both, isn't it? Um, and then he says there is one baptism. Again, a slightly uh, difficult statement because if you asked any believer at the time how many times they'd been baptized, they would say twice. I was baptized in water and I was baptized in the Spirit. Um, but he's probably here simply talking about water baptism. And he's referring here, you know, there is only one baptism and that is in Christ. There's not a baptism that is simply for repentance, it is baptism in Christ. And that includes repentance, that includes everything else. For for every believer, and um, well, just, just for every believer, uh, there is a, a number of events, a series of events that leads to us being completely born again. We sometimes talk about, don't we, you know, people have prayed the sinner's prayer, and that's it. That's not how Paul or any of the other early believers understood it. There needs to be repentance. There needs to be baptism in, with water. There needs to be baptism in the Spirit. There needs to be joining in the fellowship of believers. Then there's all sorts of things that was included in this, as well as simply just believing in Christ. Uh, it was a number of things that enabled them to be reborn and part of the church. And uh, here he's probably just picking on one of them, baptism, and maybe it's a symbol of everything else that goes along with that. And then he says, there is one God and Father of all, who is in all and through all. There is only one God. At a time when there were beliefs in, in many different gods, and sometimes people hedged their bets and uh, had a, a number of different gods that they would put their trust in. Paul says very definitely, there is only one God. It is a passage that is uh, deep and profound in all sorts of ways, and there's so much more that I could probably say about this, but uh, for the sake of time and simply for my own sanity, uh, we're going to move on and think about, well, what does this mean for us by going a little bit wider? So what's the application of all this? What does it actually mean for us as we live our lives? Well, the first thing I'm going to say really obvious statement how we live matters how we live matters are we living lives worthy of the hope that we have in christ of the calling that's been placed upon us to receive everything that jesus has won for us through his death and resurrection are we worthy of that are we living a life worthy of that uh, and i phrase that wrong are we worthy of that we're not worthy of it we are only worthy because of what Christ has done. But are we living the life out of that that shows that this means something to us? You know, that's important, isn't it? You know, you can be made king of, of the UK or queen of the UK. But if you don't live the life of the queen or the king, then you are no longer worthy of the title, even though you have the title. And there are many who call themselves Christians who live lives that are not worthy of calling, but they are still saved because they are saved, not because of their own efforts, but because of Christ. 
But we are called to more than just being saved. We are called to live a life that is different, that reveals all that we have won through Christ. And so we are called to live a life worthy of the calling that we have. The second thing is uh, the character that Paul repeatedly in all of his letters extols is very different to what's celebrated today, isn't it? So, I mean, you know, we're, we're looking at the fruits of the spirits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. How many people talk about being kind? Goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. These are words that are becoming more and more alien in today's culture. Uh, that means that we need to live more and more radical lives. And that is such a, a, a test for us, isn't it? And, you know, as we work through some of the the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, I become more and more aware of how often Paul lumps these, these words together when he talks about how we should live in all of his letters. Words like humility and gentleness and kindness and self-control, faithfulness, they are often all put together, particularly with patience. Um, they're all put together. And Paul sees these as an elevated way of living. And we need to see it that way as well. We need to understand that this type of character, the, the type of choices that we make about how we behave is going to be radically different to what is celebrated today. I also want to just pick up on uh, one thing as well. Uh, put up with each other. How wide and big is your soul? I just love that phrase. Is your soul big enough to accommodate all the weaknesses and foibles and uh, weirdness and eccentricities uh, of other people? Is it your soul big enough to accommodate that? We are meant to really live in unity together. And that means we put up with all the difficulties that that brings. And it can be difficult. I'm a church leader. I understand more than most how difficult this can be because most of it ends up coming my way. But this is part of being the church, that we live alongside people who are so different to us. And it is uh, my, um, my, my training incumbent. I probably told you this at some other point. Uh, when I was a curate, uh, we were talking about the different kind of people in church, and he describes it as the glory of the church, that all these different people could become one. That is the glory of the church. Where else does that happen? And so we have to bear with one another. We have to put up with each other, because you're going to spend eternity with them. You better learn how to do it and do it soon. So be patient. Bear with others, put up with others, have a wide and big soul. That sounds like a much more positive way of putting it, doesn't it? You know, when you're saying be patient and bear with one another, it kind of sounds a little bit negative. I like this idea of having a wide and big soul. How wide and big is it that you can actually live within church life, be part of community and do so with ease because of the size of your soul? Finally, uh, let's be zealous to keep the unity that we have in Christ. Yeah. There's something weird around Southport. I don't know if you're you you're kind of aware of it. Um, 
but as someone who's been here for just four and a half years now, um, people kind of duck in and out of church and move churches very readily. I mean, the moment something happens, they'll be off either to walk away from Christ or just to join another church. And it kind of goes back to, let's put up with each other. Let's be patient with each other. But also let's make sure that we are living united together, that we keep the unity that the Spirit has given us. And you know, it's, this is not about structural unity. This is not about kind of becoming one church. Uh, I, I don't think that is even what we're called to be. We are called to be one in Christ. I mean, there might be different expressions of that, and that is actually re- reveals the beauty of humanity to that God has created. Because we all like different things. You know, some people like choral even song, and some people like uh, you know brand new charismatic songs uh, with a band and lights and all that kind of stuff. We can have different tastes. And we can have different expressions of church. And that is the beauty of the church. But we are one. And we need to recognize that. And we need to work hard at it. Just because someone has a different way of doing things, the church down the road does not mean that you disassociate from them. It means that you work hard at keeping that unity. Which is why character is just so important. That we are not kind of not egotistical about what we believe, but that we are humble and we're gentle and we're patient and we bear with one another. So let me give you some questions to consider. So we're going to look, go a little bit further now with some questions uh, for you to either talk about in your mission communities or to reflect on on your own. Uh, my first question is this, and it's a very kind of, um, uh, it will sound trivial because I'm going to ask you to kind of mark yourself, but take time to think about it and be honest. So on a scale of one to 10, how worthy of Christ is the life you are living right now? Scary, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know where I would put myself at the moment. Uh, I'm probably, I think, around, around about six one number you're not allowed to say is five. Okay, that, that's that's just ducking out. Uh, so how worthy of Christ is the life you're living right now? Just mark yourself, one to ten. If you're in the group, tell others and maybe give reasons why. Second question. Uh, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Which of these are you strong in? And which one needs more work? Just share with others where you're up to with that. And then maybe share about what you might do to develop the one that needs more work. The third question picks up on that phrase, having a a big and wide soul. Uh, What practices do we need to put into place to have a soul that is big and wide? What practices do you need to put into place? What do you actually need to start to develop in your life? as a consistent thing to to widen and enlarge your soul. And the fourth question, uh, how can we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit? What kind of things can we put in place, do we need to do to ensure that we are maintaining the unity that the Spirit has given us? 
So there you go, four questions to reflect on. Uh, it has been so good to have you with us and I do hope that you've enjoyed this. Do please join us on Sunday. Um, we have Beck uh, preaching for the first time on Eucurus and she's going to be talking about, oh, kindness, if I remember rightly. Um, so do please join us for that and then join us again next Tuesday for the next edition of Deeper. So until then, stay safe and keep well. Bye.